Writing. RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. Tonight's headlines. A third person is hospitalised after receiving the Sinovac vaccine. Health officials probe a possible COVID-19 outbreak around a Causeway Bay eatery. And self-exiled former lawmaker Ted Hoy says he's settling in Australia. Another man is said to be in a critical condition after receiving the Sinovac vaccine, the third such case in as many days. The Department of Health says the chronically ill 51-year-old had diabetes and hypertension. He was inoculated last Wednesday but started coughing and experiencing shortness of breath on Saturday. He sought treatment yesterday and was sent to intensive care at Queen Elizabeth Hospital. The initial diagnosis is that he had a heart attack. The department says an expert panel will investigate whether the vaccine caused his illness. The minister in charge of Hong Kong's COVID-19 vaccination programme, Patrick Nip, earlier played down concerns that it may not be suitable for elderly people to receive the jab that's made by China's Sinovac. The civil service chief says experts have concluded that the benefits outweigh the risks. Jimmy Choi reports. Some health experts have cautioned against using the Sinovac vaccine to inoculate those aged 60 and above, saying there isn't enough clinical data to show that it is effective and safe for senior citizens. Speaking on the RTHK program, Mr Nip admitted there is not much clinical data available, but said that doesn't mean the Sinovac vaccine can't be used on the elderly. He said the mainland drug makers says people aged 18 and above can take this vaccine, and it creates a certain amount of antibodies in the over-60s. Mr Nip said an expert panel agreed that the elderly are a high-risk group and should be given priority to receive vaccination. Asked why the government doesn't ensure that elderly people are only inoculated with vaccines that are proven to be safe and effective for them, he said there have also been serious incidents overseas among those who received other coronavirus jabs. Mr Nip said people who have chronic illnesses that are not under control should not get vaccinated and anyone who isn't sure whether they should get a dose or not should consult their doctors. Epidemiologist Ben Cowling from the University of Hong Kong says for now it's better for older people with underlying medical conditions to use other vaccines. I know for other parts of the world they've been using other vaccines, particularly the BioNTech vaccine, the AstraZeneca vaccine, and we haven't heard too much about, about our concerns of adverse reactions in the days following vaccination. So I think we, we, we really should continue with the BioNTech vaccine. For Sinovac, uh, I'm a little bit uncertain what's the right step next because we don't have a lot of international experience to rely on with that vaccine. Health officials are investigating another suspected COVID-19 outbreak at a restaurant, this time in Causeway Bay. Damon Tang reports. A fourth person who recently ate at Coast Seafood and Grill on Cleveland Street has been confirmed to have the virus. Officials say a 56-year-old man ate lunch there on February the 22nd. Three other confirmed coronavirus carriers were also there on the same day, including two who visited the restaurant at different times, but sat at the same table. Dr. Chuang Shukwan from the Center for Health Protection says just days before, one of the patients in this suspected cluster had also been to Mr. Ming's Chinese Dining in Chimsa Choi, which has seen a major outbreak. We are thinking that the chance of random occurrence is a bit low. That's why we did some investigation and advised them to do the testing. Dr. Truong says people who ate at the Causeway Bay restaurant should contact health authorities to arrange a COVID-19 test. Hong Kong has reported a total of 21 new coronavirus cases, eight of them locally acquired and three of these untraceable. 
Self-exiled former lawmaker Ted Hoy has announced he and his family are to settle in Australia after Canberra gave an exemption to its closed border policy. Timmy Sung reports. The former Democratic Party legislator fled Hong Kong late last year after facing criminal charges over the 2019 pro-democracy protests. He said he has now arrived in Australia where he is observing a 14-day quarantine. Mr Ho said he had decided to move there from Britain where he has spent the past three months to spread the international reach of Hong Kong democracy activists. He said in an interview with the Reuters news agency that he would also seek more flexible visas for Hong Kong people seeking to come to Australia. Mr Ho said he was grateful to the Australian government for granting a visa and a place on a repatriation flight from London, but he does not intend to apply for political asylum. Police in Hong Kong ordered HSBC to freeze his bank accounts in December after he said he would go into exile in Britain to continue his pro-democracy activities. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. A student has been acquitted of rioting in Causeway Bay two years ago after the district court cast doubt on the testimony of the police officer who made the arrest. Francis Sitt reports. Kevin Ibb was arrested at a protest on August the 31st, 2019, with prosecutors accusing him of standing with protesters who allegedly threw petrol bombs at the police. But Judge Frankie Yu said none of the videos presented in court had shown any petrol bombs being thrown prior to the 19-year-old's arrest. He noted that another officer also told the court that he did not see any flames at that point in time. The judge said there was indeed a riot taking place outside a Sogo department store at around 8pm on the night in question, with about 300 protesters blocking roads, some using laser pointers and throwing Molotov cocktails. He added that the defendant had been wearing black clothes and protective gear and might have looked suspicious, but he had not been seen doing anything that amounted to a breach of the peace. The judge said the arresting officer's observations were not supported by any video footage and prosecutors have failed to prove their case beyond reasonable doubt. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, says she expects sweeping changes to Hong Kong's electoral system to be completed within 12 months so they can be adopted for the next CE election in March 2022. The National People's Congress is expected to endorse proposals this week to change the composition of the election committee and empower members to appoint lawmakers as well. In an interview with state media CGTN, Mrs Lamb said central government has to initiate these changes because the procedure used for earlier reforms was too slow. There was a sort of uh, procedure that if the Hong Kong SAR were to initiate, then it has to go through certain steps. But with the current environment in Hong Kong and the timing that we have just discussed, this very tight timing, it is almost impossible uh, for this change to take place through that Hong Kong SARG-initiated process, let alone whether it will succeed. Beijing has told foreign diplomats in Hong Kong not to interfere in its plans to overhaul the SAR's electoral system. Vicky Wong with that story. The Foreign Ministry's office here says its acting commissioner, Yang Yi Roy, has met with representatives of 59 consulates general and the European Union office to Hong Kong to brief them on the proposed changes to the electoral system. The office quoted Mr Yang as saying that the loopholes in the electoral system of Hong Kong must be closed with the utmost urgency or Hong Kong would be plunged into violent turbulence, its status as an international financial, shipping and trading centre under threat and the interests of the international community here in peril. 
The acting commissioner also told the meeting that it is a common practice for central governments to determine local electoral systems and a universal political principle that the rulers of a place must meet rigorous standards of patriotism. Therefore, he said it is in line with the Chinese constitution, the basic law and international norms for the National People's Congress to decide on the SAR's electoral system. The Foreign Ministry also said it had summoned Britain's ambassador to Beijing, Carolyn Wilson, over what it called an inappropriate article she wrote defending recent international media coverage on China. Ms Wilson's article was posted on the British Embassy's official WeChat account last week. In a statement, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs said the Chinese people and government had never opposed foreign media, rather those who make up fake news to attack China and its ruling Communist Party under the banners of press freedom and freedom of speech. In other news, former lawmaker Leung Kwok Hung has been given the go-ahead to launch an appeal over his 2016 LegCo file snatching case. As Richard Pine reports, it's the first time the Court of Final Appeal has been asked to consider the, con- the conduct of a legislator at a LegCo meeting. The appeal is against a lower court's ruling that legislators do not enjoy immunity when they face charges over disruption of LegCo meetings. It all began at a joint meeting of LegCo's panels on housing and development back in November 2016, when Mr Leung, who was a lawmaker at the time, approached the Undersecretary for Development and grabbed a folder that was placed in front of him. He was prosecuted for contempt under Section 17 of the Legislative Council Powers and Privileges Ordinance, but a magistrate later ruled that his actions were protected by Section 3 of the Ordinance, which covers freedom of speech and debate in the Council. That decision was challenged by the Department of Justice, with the Court of Appeal ruling in its favour and ordering the trial at the magistrate's courts to proceed. Mr Leung sought leave to appeal to the Court of Final Appeal. His lawyers argued that it concerns two questions, namely freedom of speech for members of LegCo and the separation of powers relating to how LegCo conducts its own business. Prosecutors argued that there was no such thing as privilege to create a disturbance to interrupt a LegCo meeting, as this was not necessary to the proper function of LegCo business and was not a duty or power of LegCo members. The Court of Final Appeal ruled in favour of Mr Leung, and the hearing is now set for August the 31st. China has launched the health certificate programme for international travellers from the mainland in what's thought to be the world's first known virus passport. Priscilla Ng has details. The digital certificate shows the vaccination record of users along with COVID test results. The foreign ministry says it's aimed at facilitating international travel while helping to spur a global economic recovery. The certificate is meant for travel in and out of the mainland, but it is currently only available for use by Chinese citizens and it is not yet mandatory. There is also no indication whether authorities in other countries will use it when mainland travelers go abroad. Nevertheless, the certificate, which is also available in paper form, is thought to be the world's first known virus passport. The United States and Britain are among countries currently considering implementing similar permits. The European Union is also working on a vaccine green pass that would allow citizens to travel between member countries and abroad. State media says China's program includes an encrypted QR code that allows each country to obtain a traveler's health information. QR health codes within WeChat and other Chinese smartphone apps are already required to gain entry to domestic transport and many public spaces in the mainland. The apps track a user's location and produce a green code synonymous with good health if a user has not been in close contact with a confirmed case or has not traveled to a virus hotspot. 
but the system has sparked privacy concerns and fears. It marks an expansion of government surveillance. The Communist Party's official news outlet in Xinjiang says unidentified companies from the area have filed a domestic civil lawsuit seeking unspecified compensation from a US-based human rights researcher whose reports allege forced labour is used in the region's cotton industry. The firms say researcher Adrian Zenz's reports are untrue and led to economic losses. Here's Vicky Wong again. The report on the Xinjiang Communist Party website said Adrian Zenz had damaged the reputation of the cotton industry in the region and accused him of writing untrue reports that led to a US ban on cotton imports from the region, resulting in economic losses. The report on the lawsuit did not include details of which companies were behind the civil action, nor how much they were seeking in compensation. Experts believe if the case is taken up by a Xinjiang court, it would be the first known instance of a foreign researcher facing civil action in China over human rights research that has contributed to pressure for economic sanctions. The former Trump administration had slapped an import ban on all cotton and tomato products from Xinjiang in January over allegations that they were made with forced labor without citing the source of the allegations. Mr. Zenz, a senior fellow in China studies at the US-based Victims of Communism Foundation, is a prominent critic of Beijing's ethnic policy in Xinjiang and Tibet, whose research has been widely cited in Western media. He said the lawsuit shows that his research is having an impact, although he believes the case is symbolic. And the group of e- I'm sorry, the group of developed nations, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, has issued a report suggesting that prospects for global growth have markedly improved. The BBC's Andrew Walker has more. The improvement in the economic outlook reflects the deployment of effective vaccines. The forecast also includes a marked upgrade for the United States due to government stimulus plans, which could benefit the country's trading partners. The OECD now predicts that global economic activity will rise to above pre-pandemic levels by the middle of this year. That said, even by the end of next year, it will be below what it would probably have been without the health crisis. Among the G20 major economies, the OECD expects only two, the United States and Turkey, to be ahead of where the agency previously expected. Russia and China have reportedly signed a memorandum of understanding to build a lunar space station. Russia's space agency Roscosmos said in a statement the lunar station will be designed as a complex of experimental research facilities, either on the moon or in orbit. It said it would be available for use by other interested countries. And widespread protests have again engulfed Myanmar, with demonstrators defying the armed forces to express their anger at last month's coup. Troops trying to suppress the civil disobedience campaign have been rounding up large numbers of suspected dissidents. Thailand is preparing areas along its border to cope with a possible influx of refugees. And a reminder of our top stories tonight. A third person is hospitalised after receiving the Sinovac vaccine. Officials probe a possible COVID-19 outbreak around a Causeway Bay eatery. And self-exiled former lawmaker Ted Hoy says he's settling in Australia. The news from RTHK. Thanks a lot. We'll have more headlines at midnight.
Nelson there and uh, never been anyone else uh, but you uh, that one from, uh, from 1959 I think uh, Rick, Rick Nelson he was um, uh, he was um, Ricky Nelson um, and uh, then they decided to call himself Rick Nelson uh, when he was 21 American rock and roll star pop pioneer it says here musician uh, singer-songwriter and uh, before that it was uh, the Dave Clark Five they were uh, an English 
a band formed in Tottenham in 